Hey Warriors, welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you had a great week. Mine's been pretty decent. And today we actually are going to get some decent rain. The only problem is, is also one of the worst days for allergies and it's really hitting me hard. So um, bear with me, I may have to blow my nose once in a while or just feel like I have to cough. I apologize. Anyway, uh, once again... If you guys are interested in joining a third-party app that, I, that I've created for our group, it's basically Discord, and it is a system that allows us to be able to have discussions, allows us, to, if we really wanted to, to get in voice comms together and even message each other privately without the worry of having to give out like your phone number, email, or anything like that. It, it like gets us away from the Facebook atmosphere of being too personal and that sense of like opening up your life to people that you don't really know. Um, this allows for that connection to be able to be established where we can actually just build up that relationship with one another without having to share our whole lives with each other. At least not right now, if that makes sense. Anyway, the other thing is I want to thank all of you guys who have been subscribing to the podcast. It has been fantastic to see people willing to um, show some support this way because it really does help my wife and I out. Um, it really does help us to like to know that we can have some of this money put aside that we can use for things like for future for this in the future for church stuff, the future for even stuff that we may need. Um, and you know, it's been really neat to see the type of support that this provides that way. If you guys are interested, all you have to do is just go to the the anchor store itself, the anchor place, and there is a spot there where you can click to subscribe. Anyway, so I decided after having a discussion with one of my friends um, that maybe we should have a more discussion about things that are going on in the church that are going on in the in the culture of our church. Okay, it doesn't mean every church is doing this. Doesn't mean that this is like majority of Christians, but it's a heavily a heavily used movement that's going through and we I've used the word a bunch of times progressive movement it is real it's not fake it's not something I made up it's it's, it's existed for a very long time is that word and mostly the idea was always behind the concept of taking us from modern modernism to postmodernism, which is another time frame when things were starting to change, where facts become opinions versus actual truths were becoming more like, well, should we really be this way? And that's kind of the, the essence of change that came through. But the idea of progressiveness has always been there forever. Like it's always been an issue. It's always the mindset of questioning absolute truth. Now, if you don't know what absolute truth means, it's basically we know that if we throw an apple up in the air and if there's nothing underneath the apple to catch it, what happens to the apple? The apple drops straight down. Why? Because we know there is a science called gravity that pulls to the center part of the Earth. In some places like the moon or other planets, the gravity pull may be less aggressive, so you may float a little bit higher or you may drop a little bit slower. Okay. 
So absolutes are things that we know for certain that's possible. So if water is boiling, it's going to be hot. If it's an ice cube, it's going to be cold. So the idea is that when we look at scripture and see the idea of understanding that absolute truth of God means that it is absolutes, means it's 100% true, it's not changing, it is a foundational view of who we are as Christians. Now, we're not going to be going through a list of absolutes in the scriptures, but we're going to understand that there is a movement that's trying to change that into the, well, could it be mindset? So I decided to do this series a little bit onto the idea of changing minds without changing faith is the idea that the progressive movement is doing changing minds without changing faith. So the idea of the series is changing minds. And we're going to talk about different parts today is God never changed. So today we see a lot of Christians who are pointing out, well, is God is love. That means that he is not like he was in the old Testament. We also have a lot of people who have depicted their ideas of Christianity based on their intellectual understanding of Christianity. It's like a modern philosophy, like, like philosophy of thinking that they're processing to process the ideology of the theology of Christianity. Some have decided that modern means of thinking about our faith like of, excuse me, rethinking of our faith is a form of intellectual growth or open mindset of how we are supposed to take our faith because we should be open. And this is where I, I often use the word phrasing of deconstruction of faith. Now we understand that the idea of construction is building something up. Deconstruction is taking pieces down to reconstruct it up again. Now, if we believe that the Bible is an absolute and that God's word is an absolute and that his ways are an absolute, that he is absolute because he never changed. How can we deconstruct something to reconstruct it? You see deconstruction of your faith, like you and how you view the scriptures is different comparing deconstruction of the faith. You see, you and I are the flaw. We could be interpreting the scriptures wrong. We could be reading the scriptures wrong. We could be learning the scriptures wrong. We could be living our life wrong. We could be making decisions wrong. It's not God who was wrong and we need to deconstruct what he has said to fit into what we think it should be. You see, that is probably one of the most rampant things that's going on today is that how can I make God fit into my theology, my views, my ideology, my feelings, my hurt, my pain, my struggle. So that way I can feel the way that I feel and be okay with it. You see, I go back to 
um, the scriptures on this one because on 1 Corinthians 2, down at verse 15, it says, The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, yet he himself cannot be evalu evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that they may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see... In verse 14 it says but the person without the spirit does not receive what god what comes from god's spirit because it is foolishness to him he is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually i want you to understand i want you to think about that you see we don't know everything about god that's why it's a constant allowance of him to change us, mold us, build us up, to heal us, to break us down, to, to work in us. It's about us being conformed to his way of thinking, his theology, his like instructions to obey God, to do what the scriptures tell us to do. It's not about us reevaluating what we're reading in scripture and say, well, maybe God didn't really mean a, B, C, D, F, G, whatever it may be that we want to talk about. Maybe he just, maybe he meant this because the thing is, it's, it's not just the questioning that comes in, but it's what the modern view of how we're looking at things like the, like the whole concept of worldview. So worldview is what, how you see the world. Okay. So we look at the scriptures, we, it says, you know, thou should not steal, but then we reevaluate the concept of, well, when is the stealing, stealing considered stealing? Because if someone's hungry and need to get food, you don't have money, um, you steal the food to save the person. Isn't that a moral thing to do? Now, instinctively as humans, yeah, that, that would be a moral thing to do. But is it the right thing to do? No. Someone's hungry. You ask for help. That person says no. You go to the next person and ask for help. That person says no. You go to the next person and ask for help. At one point, someone is going to help you. Some places where you live, you may not get the help. Because if they know that you're a Christian, they may not care about you that way. And they're afraid of their life. They're afraid of their, what they're going through and what could possibly happen to them and their family. You see, the whole concept of trying to reconstruct or deconstruct the idea of what is when is stealing not really wrong, that's breaking the understanding of absolute stealing is wrong. Same thing with lying. Same thing with living with your girlfriend when you're not married. Because if you are having sex with them, you become one with them. And if something breaks that up, you have broken the one thing that God had instilled in you was to keep yourself from immorality. And so therefore you have... Like it's a, it's a whole a, a whole other discussion, but you basically are taking a little bit of that person into your and who you are, and it will affect not only you but your future actual wife, or if you're a woman listening, husband. 
You see, that's why it's so important. That's why there is a strict ruling that God has placed on us to follow him. And that's why when we accepted Christ, because now we have the mindset of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the scriptures. It doesn't mean that we are not affected by the world and the stuff that happens to us on an everyday basis. We may change how we look at scripture, but God's never changed. We have. I'm evident of that. I know it's like to be so angry that you want things to happen a certain way because you feel like that should be just. Even though they've never, you know, people that have hurt me have never asked for forgiveness and they've used the excuse, well, it was just God's will. No, no. You still did wrong. You should apologize. You should apologize to that person. I should apologize to that person, whoever it may be. But those people should be apologizing for the lies they, they were instructed to do, for the things that they did to hurt my reputation, to hurt my wife's reputation, all of that. Even though that was that one situation, it's not excused because it was Lord God's will to pull us out there. Even if it is, people still do wrong. And it's the same thing. My reaction being upset, hurt, angry, and, and just overly, like the anxiety just overtook and it just, and it hurt. But you did wrong. I got angry. And that, that wasn't good for me. And it wasn't the right thing for me, even though I wanted to be. But you see, this is for everybody. Just because it happened years ago doesn't mean that you're supposed to so-called let it go. And therefore, you don't apologize for your part. And you don't ask for if you don't ask forgiveness, just because God, you know that God forgave you. God still asks you to make sure that you make things right with other people, too. It's hard. But sometimes you got to do it because you did something wrong. You know, the, I've forgiven what people have done for me. But if you're a servant of God, you're a follower of Christ, and you know that you've done something wrong that way, you should ask for forgiveness. Or at least don't walk around acting like it's no big deal anymore because People are still hurt. People do feel pain and they still have that baggage that's there. And this is why it's very important to understand that God has not changed. We have a new perspective because we know Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, it states this. And this is a verse, I mean, there's a verse in here that people use all the time, but you got to understand the whole concept starts at verse 16. It says, from now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Because we accepted Christ, we don't look at Christ the same way as the world does, right? Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. We are changed. Okay. That's the clarity of this, of this verse. We have changed because of being reconciled with Christ. Verse 18, everything is from God 
who has reconciled us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. This is why in verse 20 and 21 it says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. We uh, be reconciled to God. So we have a job. We have a purpose. There is a design. God's never changed, right? God has not changed. There's still the penalty of sin. It still exists. It doesn't disappear doesn't just stop because it's a different quote-unquote world today it didn't go away god of the old testament is still the god of the new testament and going down to verse 21 he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of god when Christ was on that cross, he took on our sin. He became sin so that he could pay the penalty for our sin. And all we have to do is accept him. It's very cool Think if you stop and think about that. You see, sin separates us from God. Changing our mindset to create a more acceptable faith is not what God expects from his children. Learning to have a healthier Christianity is not toxic, be toxic because it does not accept people where they are. You know, the whole we should not judge people when scripture clearly tells us there is something that's going to happen to us if we don't know his son. And clearly we're going to have a... A visible view of the world versus him and his son tells me there's something that was clearly expressed in the Old Testament that's clearly being re-recognized in the New Testament, but with the catch that Christ came to die for us, right? Christians need to be more tolerant. That is showing Jesus' love today. That's another view that is being taught. Being tolerant means being being able to accept people where they're at. You just need to be tolerant and you can accept them where they're at because just by your example in time, they will accept Christ. Well, no, if you're tolerating, it means that you're okay with how they're acting. And if I recall, I remember Paul like confronting a church who was allowing a son of a man who the son was having a sexual relationship with the stepmom. They thought it was really cool, and they were all excited about having this situation in their church, and Paul had to go and slap them in the face with a letter. You know, confront them. If they don't repent, kick them out. And we know that this kind of happened, or at least that, that, like the perspective that we know that it did happen, they did kick at least the guy out, right? Because later on, he says it's okay to bring, actually, I think it says them, so maybe both, to bring them back into the fold. In other words, yes, kick out, but also there's reconciliation, there's change because they repented, repented of their sin, and they are brought back into the fold. That's the key thing is we're not, when we start using the word tolerance and, and 
including the Jesus loves everybody, we're forgetting the other part of the story, which is what is super vital as we jump into the second half of what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to have a commercial break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the episode. And we've been talking about the, the kind of phrases that people are using today in the Christian culture and how it doesn't mean it's right just because we're trying to make it be more modern or more, to, more tolerant of today's culture, the progressive movement concept, right? Okay, so here we go. So for some reason, we have declared that God has changed. We think that the God that we have read so much in the Old Testament and how aggressive he was and how, you know, how he was all for, you know, judgments and setting prophets and, you know, seeing repentance. And we think suddenly for some reason that world doesn't exist anymore. And the new version of God is, oh, he's, lo he's loving, tolerant, caring, you know, that he has given us an opportunity to repent. He has like this whole other story about him. See, he has changed. God hasn't changed. It, it's like we have suddenly decided that the God of the Old Testament doesn't exist anymore. And we sit there going, well, yes, because look, at he sent Jesus, it's time of grace. So we're not supposed to be judging people. We're not supposed to be telling, you know, telling people that they're wrong, because if we are loving, you know, that's just enough and that will make a difference. Like we start living in this like facade that we have completely created of what we really think God is. Having God's grace does not mean God has changed. Because we always love using the famous John 3.16 as the verse for God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever, anyone, everyone who believes in him shall not perish, or will not perish, but will have eternal life. And we Raise this verse. We talk about it. We tell people, oh, wonderful God, he's loving and caring, but we forget to read the rest of the verses. When we get up to verse 17 and 18, he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. Because if you read the Old Testament, you know that the world is condemned. So why are we not telling people, hey, Everything here is condemned. And this is why. But to save the world through him. So understanding verse 17, we have to understand the fact that there is condemnation. There is judgment that has already been placed. And then he sent someone, his son, his only son, to come here to save us from that condemnation and judgment. So to be clear, we can see that there is something already existing that God has already declared. And so now providing this form of grace, we don't have to be condemned to that already formed declaration, correct? Okay. Verse 18, anyone who believes in him, so there is a criteria 
anyone who believes in him, believes in him, is not condemned, correct? But anyone who does not believe, does not believe, is already condemned. See, he didn't send them to condemn because they're already condemned. Anyone who doesn't know Christ is condemned. That person who may be a wonderful, loving, caring, homosexual, according to Old Testament scripture, is still under the law of condemnation. Because we are not supposed to be tolerant of sin. Now, here's a clarity. The one question that people always ask, can a homosexual be a Christian? I would say no, because if you're truly saved, you want to change from that lifestyle. Now, if someone is struggling with that sin and they're constantly trying to get back right, you know, follow the way of the Lord, trying to do things the right way and be, um, I guess the word would be walking in righteousness, trying to stay that way. There's a difference. A liar Someone who accepted Christ but continues to still lie, I would question whether they are saved or not too. Same with someone who steals. If they accepted Christ and they're still going out there to steal, they really changed. You see, there is supposed to be a change. There's supposed to be a desire to stay away from things of sin. Not keep living in, into it and doing it just because. And this is even for sexual sin issues and struggles. The thing is, if you know that there's a guilt in you, that you are supposed to be walking in truth, that you're supposed to be doing something that you're not, and you know that you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing, there is, there's something in you. It's called the Holy Spirit that's trying to tell you that's wrong. Stop doing it. But our flesh is going to constantly fight us. We've already declared this. Paul has shown us that there is going to be a battle between the flesh and the spirit. And our bodies are going to want to do what the flesh wants to do, not what the spirit wants to do. Even though you know in your head, because the Holy Spirit tells you this is the right way, that's the wrong way. There is a point that you have to start asking yourself, if I'm truly saved, I should not be okaying sin as okay. See, there, there's that, that battle that's going on there. You got to get that clarity to understand that. Because if we go on, it says, but anyone who does not believe already is condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. We can't keep lying to people with this ideology that God is suddenly now doesn't plan to condemn anybody. That he's okay with any type of sin. That he's tolerant that he is so loving that he's just going to excuse your sin you see that's the problem with those statements i said in the first half because we can't sit there and tell people no you're wrong because now in today's culture you're being judgmental well yeah because the bible says it's wrong you go to Malachi 3 and we think that like it's two different worlds but even Malachi 3 it says I you know verse uh, sorry 3 5 it says I will come to to you in judgment judgment con condemnation judgment 
I will be ready to witness against the sorcerers, adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker, the widow, the fatherless, against those who deny justice to the resident alien, which, by the way, to clarify, resident alien means someone who is citizenized inside the, that country, just to be clear. Um... They do not fear me, says the Lord of armies, because I, the Lord, have not changed. Because I, verse 6, because I, the Lord, have not changed. Your descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed. God has declared, I, the Lord, have not changed. And then verse 7 says, since the days of your ancestors, you have turned from my statutes. Statutes are basically the absolute truths of scripture what god has commanded us so all his commandments and doing what he has asked us in scripture anything so sin is a sin following the righteous ways the righteous way chasing after god knowing him praising his name you know everything that we can have in scripture all that would be considered his statutes because he has commanded us to do something and we're supposed to obey it Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. <coughs> Yet, you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. How do we rob you? Yet you asked. By not making payments of the tenth and contributions. Now, this is where people kind of use it for um, tithing. But the reality is, is because you have not followed me. You have not given yourself of me. Okay. So I'm not going to get into all that because that's not the whole point. The idea is that, you know, back then they gave a 10th to show it's basically like kind of worship and honoring God. So us today, if you could do tithing, but it is obedience and obeying him and following him and doing as he has asked, because we have to go back to verse seven where it says you've turned from my statutes. Now we can skip all the way down to verse 14. It says, you have said, it is useless to serve God. What have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully before the Lord of armies? Verse 15. So now we consider the arrogant to be fortunate. Not only do those who commit wickedness prosper, they even test God and escape. And that's the appearance that we see that the world seems to be getting everything going for them. And this is why this is part of the whole concept of changing God so that we can have a deconstruction of our faith so that we can have a different view. Because if we can say, well, look how successful they're going and how they're doing, why can't we be a part of that? And then God, I think, speaks at this point and says, at the time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another the lord took notice and listened so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the lord this is the key thing in a lot of times in the old testament feared the lord is said twice already fearing the lord is honoring obeying and following because you understand who he is in other words like in the new testament you know god because you know him his son okay there's a connection to all this and you understanding that fearing the Lord means that you are purposely out of basically humility 
out of respect because you love God. You want to obey him. You want to follow him. There is this form of reconciliation because you accept a Christ as a savior that you're wanting to follow the Lord. Now we go back to uh, verse uh, 17 after the Lord of armies, my own possession on the earth. On the day I am preparing, I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. So you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This last little bit is very vital. My own possession on the day I've been preparing, I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. So you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. A lot of people love Malachi because it just seems like it's an imagery picture <clears throat> of what's going on today. If you really think about that last verse, verse 18, you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. You will see who serves God and who doesn't. I think that's very evident today. I think we're seeing that more common in the progressive movement than we realize. We're seeing those who are serving self in this world, who want to fit into this world so much so that they're willing to compromise certain things of our faith to be able to be loved by the world. Instead of understanding the importance it is serve God above the world and the world's not going to like us but we have to understand this one thing God has never changed the God who told Israel to go into Canaan to take the land by force meaning kill all is the same God in John 3 who sent his son his only son for us because he loved us we need to understand we need to wrap this first point out of all points that may be going on in the next few episodes. God has never changed. God is still the guy that, you know, the God of Israel who was sending Israel to kill people who uh, would send judgment on his own people, who would send prophets on behalf of his people, who allowed certain things to happen to his people. He's the same God. He's always provided a form of grace in that time frame when, when he would tell the prophets, tell Israel to repent, get follow back to my, my rules and regulations as people would call it, but it's the statutes, the laws in obedience to him, humility to him. See, people don't like the idea of talking about laws and systems and stuff like that because they take it and they go too far into legalism or the people who have become very progressive in their mindset think anything that's, that has a strict rule or absolute is legalistic. That's not true. God has given us rules and regulations and laws. We have to follow and abide by them because we're supposed to come before him in humility and repentance. We're supposed to reconcile with him through Christ. We're supposed to turn away from our sin. We're supposed to walk in righteousness. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to look like the world. And we're not supposed to act like the world. And the thing is, we have a lot of people who think that well, for us to really be a, a change in this culture today, we got to be more progressive. 
We're trying to create this new concept of Jesus, which I had made mention last episode, I believe. There is this one group, especially that is like he is like us concept, right? You know, if you're wanting to know about it, we, we, uh, I think I put it in the link, or at least I talked about it enough that you, <clears throat> um, you can actually uh, get connected to it. Sorry, my nose is starting to run a little bit. Um, so the idea is, guys, <clears throat> we have things going on today that are trying to redevelop a different type of Jesus. They want the they want someone who would fight against the government and and become an activist who just loves people where they're at and doesn't question anything about them because as long as you're not hurting anyone, then you're okay. And then you know then you hear just follow your heart. You know you just you will know inside. You just have that feeling inside. You just know, and you all you have to do is just love on people. You just got to be caring. You just got to just you got to understand why it's so important for us to be for all this activist type stuff. We have to save the world. We have to protect these people. You know they're 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 people too. Just because they don't follow the way of Jesus, they're people too. Like they just. Get Get all this wrapped up into this ideology that they just think Jesus is this answer. And the thing is, the more is you study into what they're trying to say, the less and less it sounds like the Jesus of the Bible. It's a brand new Jesus. And we're sitting here allowing the, this teaching of deconstruction of who God is and who Jesus is to the point where we're losing that foundational understanding of scripture and truth. We are forgetting that the guy, or I should say the God of Malachi three is the same God who's in John three. We're forgetting that the old Testament judges and what they went through and how they were supposed to follow God still the same God that we are still dealing with today. He understood when Adam and Eve sinned that he was going to already have, he already had plans for a savior. He wasn't surprised that they blamed other people for their sin, but it wasn't a surprise that he was like, oh, now I have to give you these clothes. Oh, now I got to create a plan. He knew what was going to happen. That day when he handed them the clothes of fur to cover their nakedness because they were ashamed. He understood <clears throat> that they will someday know what it would like to have someone like Jesus, someone who bring grace. And it was already pre-planned and he had put this in the, as part of the religious, I guess you could say religious story of Israel that you have to repent you have to follow my ways and you have to understand who I am. I am your God. I am the creator and I don't change. I am still the same as I was in the old Testament as I am today in the, in 2022. Don't let people try to convince you that there is a new form of God in the New Testament that we just got to understand better. If you want to understand God, you read the whole Bible. The only thing that's changed that we can see 
is nothing because he's still the same one who judged Israel with such force and he had people killed for their sins as much as you know you guys want to ignore the Old Testament laws and rules I mean a, a child who's uh, disobeying his parents could be stoned to death and I'm not talking about throwing water balloons at them like stoned to death compared to today we have grace because there is an opportunity for you to repent by accepting Christ and changing. See, we're the ones that change. We're the ones that create distance from God. He is always there ready for us. All we have to do is repent. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask you bless these uh, episodes coming up, especially... Uh, just people who may be not really recognizing or noticing that there is issues maybe in their church or they've been hearing from their friends or just even even battles in their head because the changing of the mind is where the enemy is going to attack the most if they if they can get into our mindset and start making us question values and truths and and anything that's in your scriptures to to make us deconstruct it enough to go, hmm, maybe we need to be more progressive. They're missing out, Lord. Uh, open their eyes, prepare their hearts, and let them recognize the lies from the truth. Don't let them be fooled into all this mumble jumble that of this progressive movement has been placing in the church, around the church, and books all around. I mean, we have books out there that are that have really catchy, amazing names. But these people are teaching stuff that is not very biblical in what we are supposed to do. I just ask today, Lord, that you just help any of us to have whatever is blocking our eyes to see that there is some type of false teaching going on that's creating some change in our minds and our hearts that we'd be able to be clear and stay strong in the truth and to make sure to stand like strong in the faith stand firm in the faith and be courageous about it. I ask that you move people today to recognize that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, you guys have an awesome week and I look forward to speaking next week and hopefully, you know, the series will be something to stir up some thoughts in your minds, challenging, challenging you to be more aware. And also be aware of what you're reading too. Because the one thing today, the one thing you should take this whole week for today, is God has not changed. And if you're reading something that's telling you that God's different in the New Testament than he is in the Old Testament, or, or like almost redeveloping a new form of Jesus, you may have to consider either not reading that book or reading it so that you have understanding of what they're trying to change. Because it sounds so close to being the truth, it's hard to see the lie. <clears throat> Allow the Holy Spirit to give you that understanding. And I will see you guys next time. God bless.